This is the Senior Living Truth Series podcast, where we have candid conversations about complex issues facing today's mature adults. No sales pitch, only the truth. I'm Dr. Nikki Buckaloo. Welcome to the show. And I'm going to be presenting, and then we're going to have some uh, of our sponsors that are going to serve as our Q&A panelists on this topic. We're going to do it a little bit differently. I've had so many people tell us that, that every time they come to a topic that we've presented in the past, and this one we've presented multiple times, the truth about senior living communities or retirement communities or touring retirement communities, we kind of name it something different every time. We try to give you a little different perspective each time because it's a big topic, isn't it? Right? You can't cover it all in one session. And so what we're going to do is we're going to try to help uh, help you get a little bit deeper look at that today. So those of you who have heard this topic before are probably going to hear some things you haven't heard before. So before we get started, I'm going to just point out that there are some seats here in the front row. There are a couple here on the second row for two. Yep. Um, we've got a couple here on this side, so feel free to come on up. Uh, this front row up here is reserved for our uh, our expert panelists, and if you guys want to come on up and grab a front seat, so the senior living communities and Bill, if you guys would each each one of you come up and grab a seat here in the front on this far front side, we've got just enough for you. Do that. All right, so how many of you, this is your first time to a Senior Living Truth Series? Raise your hand. Look around. Woo! Give them a hand. All right. And I am guessing, if I had to guess, many of you came for one of two reasons. Someone invited you that knew about this already. How many of you, that's the reason you're here? Okay, yep, that's what I thought. And then some of you probably saw it in the Oklahoman this past week. Yeah. All right. That was a weird experience for me because I, you, what you'll find is that I try not to have my picture on anything. I don't know why. That's just a weird feeling for me. To I have saw it at the post office. You saw it at the post office? <laughs> I've been asking them to take that down and they just won't do it. But not only was the picture in the paper of me up in the front of the room, but I think I was pointing or something, right? So I was like, wow. Well, so um, thank you for being here. The, the article that uh, Concordia and Spanish Cove sponsored and I helped contribute to was written by one of the staff members at the Oklahoman. When we try to explain why our seminars are a little bit different, than some of the others people might experience out there in the marketplace. And so for those of you who are new, I just want you to understand this is our perspective as sponsors and panelists. We really want these seminars to not be the fluff. We want them to be the, say it with me, truth, right? Because marketing can be very deceiving out there, right? I mean, that's what it's for. Marketing is designed for what purpose? To draw you in and then sell you something, right? Whether you need it or not. Yeah, I mean, I'm a victim to that all the time. And so when many years ago, when I started researching senior living communities, um, I really struggled with locating senior living communities and figuring out which ones were 
were which. And I thought to myself, you know, I'm pretty computer savvy, and I and I can do this. I can Google everything. I mean, I can find stuff that people can't find online. And yet, I can't figure this out. So I'm thinking, well, how can people who aren't as computer savvy or don't even use the computer do this? So um, that's kind of one of the things that makes this topic important, I think, is because we're going to share with you today some of the things that you're not going to find online. Even if you do find something online, it's probably not going to be this, okay? And if you do, it's probably from somebody who wrote a blog who's really unhappy and bitter. <laughs> and it may not be as accurate as we would like for it to be either, okay? Uh, so before we get started, let me just point out what you have at your uh, table there. Um, and let me put my phone, if you would put your phones on silence, that would be great. I'm going to make mine quit vibrating too, because that bugs me. All right. And so, the, by the way, your phone going off doesn't bother me at all. It does bother your neighbor usually, so that's why I asked you to do it. Um, but uh, at your tables, or at your tables rather, at your chairs, you should have um, our next year's, uh, this year's agenda, right, for the next several months anyway through about half a year and then in a few months we'll get the rest of the year on there and we'll get you one with the rest of the year's flyer uh, you also have down at the bottom all of our sponsors let me point out um you do have a, a handout with the sponsor information on it too it says thank you 2019 sponsors on it and you need to know that we change sponsors every year so the sponsors commit for 12 years at a time or 12 months at a time 12 years at a time just so you know Um, some of you already have two years in, so you're good. You're, you only have eight more. Uh, so, or, I can't even do math. How many more do you have? Twelve months at a time. And so what we do is uh, some sponsors decide not to renew. Some sponsors we choose not to renew. And some sponsors come back. And so we hope that you'll continue to visit with them. But you will not want to leave today without going to each of the spaces around the room and picking up materials. Um, those of you who have been here know this, but the new people need to know that our sponsors do their best every month to bring some sort of a handout that appeals to this topic specifically. So how does this topic apply in their world? So even if this isn't about health care or this isn't about, um, you know, sleep or mattresses, there may be topics back there at the sponsorship tables that address this issue. So it's, you know, just, it, it's worth your while to go back and check that stuff out. The reason we put it back there and not on your table or your, I keep saying table, these are chairs, <laughs> on your chairs, is because we are not here to sell. We're really not. We're here to educate. And so if you choose to go back and pick up marketing materials, that's your decision. We want you to have the option of taking that stuff. If you don't want it, don't take it. If you do want it or you know somebody else who would benefit from it, please do. Um, my team, I want to just point out before we get too far into this, um, my team, I, they don't get nearly enough credit. I get a lot of credit because I'm up here. But I will tell you that my husband, Chris, Anya, our move manager, Carol, our sales associate, and Christina, 
our uh, our admin support, and then my my husband's dad, my father-in-law Jim, who's a volunteer. <laughs> they put countless hours into this. So can we just appreciate them for their Makes my life a lot easier when you know how hard they work because um, a little appreciation goes a long way, doesn't it? All right, so the flyer there, and then you also have two evaluations this month. Some of you already filled this out last month. So if you already filled out the uh, attendee survey last month, you don't need to do it again. Okay, this is just for the people who have not filled this out before. We ask that you fill it out. It's completely anonymous. We don't ask for your name or address or anything like that. It's simply for us to know who are we attracting so that we can gear our programming to the right people. And then there is a seminar evaluation form that we ask everyone to fill out, which is basically about today. What did you take away? What did you learn? Uh, what can we help you with in the future? And then lastly, there's a handout that has descriptions of the senior living community types, which we're going to be talking about some today. So it's for your reference only. Um, we're not going to go over it line by line, but it's for you to take home and, and maybe make some notes on as we go today. All right, did I cover everything? Excellent. All right. I need to. Uh, anybody else having uh, allergy issues besides me? Um, Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I love the drugs, but they do make you a little bit on the um, dehydrated side. Okay, here we go. The truth about senior living. How many of you would like to know the truth? The truth. All right. Now, here's how today's format's going to go. I'm going to talk about it. I'm going to expose some things. I'm going to share some pet peeves I have. And then I have our sponsors who are going to uh, come up, and they're going to join me for Q&A. And they're going to expand upon what I talked about a little bit, and also tell you if there's anything I said that was inaccurate. Okay? Is that fair? So I'm just going to let her rip, and then you guys can fix anything I say. Is that fair? All right, good deal. And they know me well enough to know that I'll say at least one thing that's totally wrong. And you're welcome to raise your hand if you want to correct it right then. I'll let you do that. I have a mic up here. We'll, we'll grab the mic. All right? Okay, so here's why people typically are thinking about moving into some sort of other arrangement other than the one that they live in currently. Okay? Other than their house or wherever they live currently. Because they want to live kind of a life without limits. They want to have a little fun. They want to do some things. Um, this happens to be a live picture from Spanish Cove's group that uh, goes down to the uh, Oklahoma River and... And what are they called, Jill? The Dragon Loader team. team. And so these are folks that live out of Spanish Coast. The, the what? Golden the Golden Dragons, yeah. So some people move to a community, um, and sometimes it might be like a 55 and older um, neighborhood. It might be a uh, village like you hear about all around the country, Del Webb, Sun City, Robeson Ranch, the villages of Florida, places like that. Okay, so people want to kind of get out there and experience life. One of the other things people want to do is they want to experience new things. They want to pursue some of their passions, and the current residence they live in is somehow prohibiting that in some way, shape, or form. In particular, like for instance, this is one of our clients, Miss Lukowski, who moved to Concordia a while back. 
So you can see her house there uh, in those three pictures on the, on the left screen. And she had a really nice big yard in Bethany, which was terraced. And she was a gardener, I mean, and is a gardener. And she loved that, but she had gotten to where her legs just couldn't quite do it. And so she opted to make a move. And she can still do those things now. She just does them in raised garden beds, right, on site there at the community. So um, for her, it was bye-bye yard work, hello, peace of mind, okay? And then you've got some folks who say, you know what, I just need a little help, please, right? Life is good. I'm handling things pretty well. I don't need a lot, but occasionally I need just a little help. And sometimes that's help personally, and sometimes that's help like your yard's too big, or your house is not um, easy to maintain anymore, or maybe you have a spouse that lives with you and there's some caregiving challenges and you just need a little support with that. And then there are folks that maybe their memory has gotten to where it's not as good as it used to be. And they need uh, an environment where someone can help make sure that they're number one safe, but also that they can live independently, even with some of those memory challenges, right? And that may be somebody who's a spouse, and maybe somebody who's living on their own. Then you have those people who just, I mean, let's be honest, this is the truth, right? Their body's just wearing out. And as our bodies wear out, things become more difficult to do, right? Sometimes even getting dressed, sometimes taking care of the house, sometimes uh, getting around, sometimes not being able to drive. If our eyes are going, if someone might have a macular degeneration or they have some sort of other issue that causes blindness or any, any type of issue that's physical where your body is just beginning to wear out, you may need a little help. And then this one may surprise people, I don't know, uh, but when I was doing my dissertation research, you know, uh, the thing that the marketers all talk about out there and all the materials that you see is, you know, have a carefree life, have you know, a simpler life, have safety, have peace of mind, have a little help when you need it, that kind of thing. But here's what I found, is that probably one of the number one reasons people start looking to simplify, and it doesn't always mean moving into a retirement community. Sometimes it means just downsizing. Uh, into a smaller house or off of a farm or off of an acreage or something like that is it's a gift to their kids or a niece or nephew or whoever that person might be that in the event they do need more help in their life that person would be tasked with providing that help make sense so they do it ahead of time they do it preemptively so that their kids or whomever it might be is not the person responsible for making those choices. Does that make sense? Okay. A matter of fact, I would say of the 50 some odd people we helped sell their house and move last year, about half of them, the reason for it was this one. Big reason. Okay. So um, before I go to this next slide, I, I want to say, um, we did a seminar in January last year, and I contemplated doing it again this year, and, and for whatever reason, I, I changed my mind. But it was called The Truth About Living to Be 100. How many of you came to that one? Yeah. And I say I got the same reaction as I did then. Everybody went, oh, or, you know, gosh, I hope not. And I'm like, what? What just happened? 
you know? It's like we work so hard to stay healthy and be active and eat right and do good things and go to the doctor and, and take our medications if we need it and that kind of thing. And yet, what's the end goal? We think we're going to get to pick the day we're done? I hate to break it to you. <laughs> but more and more people are living beyond 100 years old. Statistically, the people sitting in this room, I'm going to give you a statistic, and some of you are not going to like it. Please don't leave. I promise. We'll get, it'll get better. Statistically, if you're sitting in this room and you're 80 years old or older, and you have no major health issues, you will live to be beyond 100. Now, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand and out yourself. I'm just going to tell you that the likelihood is pretty high. Now, the good news is, this is not a, people living to be 100 in a nursing home bed. This is people living to be 100 and older doing things like this. Joe, how old are some of the folks in that picture? And late 80s and a few early 90s. We have two teams, so that's the average Okay, so the average for the two teams is somewhere in the mid 80s. Okay, now does that change how you think about living to be 100 a little bit? Yeah, so when people think about living to 100, what do they usually think? Nursing home. Somebody's gonna have to feed me, bathe me, take care of me. That's what we normally think. But I want to change a paradigm today, and I want you to begin to plan for living beyond 100 healthy, right? And when I say healthy, I mean making your own decisions, doing things for the most part for yourself. Yeah, you may need a little support. We all need a little support from time to time. But the reality is it's totally possible. So in the past, we had two options for living. Right? Two. Stay at home or live with family. And sometimes that meant the family moved in with you or you moved in with the family. And those were really your two options. Now later the option came along and it was what? Nursing home. And that was it. Those were your three options. And I don't know about you, but I really don't know of anybody who said, oh, oh, I can't wait to move to the nursing home. <laughs> Never heard anybody say that. Right? It was dreaded. Is it still dreaded? Yeah. It's not something people look forward to. But in, the, in, in all fairness, if you want to add a little comedy here to this, I would rather live in a nursing home than have to live with my kids. <laughs> or have them live with me. Now, that's the truth for some people. And I even asked my dad a while back, you know, because we, we have these conversations with our family. And I said, you know, what would you want to do if you couldn't live here at the house anymore? What would you want for yourself? And he didn't talk about it at first. No, 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 no. You know, I'm going to be fine. I'm going to die in my sleep. Sure. Because that happens every day. And what if you don't? And he said, well, I guess I'll just go up here to the nursing home. He lives in a small town. It's literally a mile from his house. And I said, is that what you want? Because I would prefer if you would come and live with us, should you need to, so that I could be your caregiver. 
And I said, there's only one rule. You cannot smoke at my house. My rule. By the way, he has COPD. And he still smokes. And I said, you cannot smoke. And he said, well, that's a deal breaker. I'll go to the nursing home. But he has a feeling he can get away with it there a whole lot easier he can get away with it at my house. So, these are not easy conversations to have, but they should be had, right? So we're going to talk a little bit today about some of the issues that you might want to think about as you're contemplating these issues. Some of you are way beyond this. Like you're, you're like, I'm not even going to think about senior living, Nikki. I've got this all planned out. Great. I just came because this is really entertaining, and, and I don't really need to hear about this. Some of you are here because you're really thinking, I might want to do this someday. And then others of you are thinking, I may need to do this sooner than later. So we're going to try to touch on everyone's um, interest today as best we can. So we went from having two options to having lots, lots of options. And I'm going to cover these briefly. And these are the ones that are just the licensed options. These are just the ones that the state um, has some oversight over. So skilled. Skilled care. That's what you think of when you think of a nursing home, right? Somebody comes out of the hospital, they broke a hip, they need rehab, they go to skilled. Long-term care. This is maybe a person who gets out of the hospital, has a broken hip, goes to rehab, but they can't go home, but has more uh, needs than can be taken care of in assisted living, or can't afford private assisted living care. They need state assistance, so they apply for Medicaid, and they can live in long-term care on Medicaid, okay? So long-term care is housing, it's, it's nursing home, the old word is nursing home, the new word is long-term care, and it is basically a step down from the hospital, right, or a step up from the hospital, whichever way you look at it. Assisted living, and I put assisted living one and two, because this is something you often don't know and isn't marketed very well. It's very difficult to explain in an ad. And that is that the state has two types of licensures for assisted living. Higher, lower, one or two, A and B, I don't know how they frame them up, but there are two. One allows people to live there that are higher functioning. The other one allows for people who have more needs. And this is important because some people will go look at an assisted living and think that's where they're going to live. But if they ever need a feeding tube or they ever need some sort of assistance where two people have to help them get from the bed to the shower or toilet, that kind of thing, that license may not allow that community to do that. In which case, assisted living is no longer an option at that level. The second level of assisted living can allow for more care. It can allow for a higher level of need when people have uh, more medical needs than they have, in, that, that they can accommodate in assisted living one. 
And I'm going to let these guys address some of the do's and don'ts because I don't, I don't know all the details. I'm going to give you the brief overview. Memory care is also licensed and it usually is under the assisted, it's under the assisted living license. Now, here's, here's some truths, ready? Assisted living communities will sometimes market themselves as assisted living and memory care. Well, what makes them qualified to offer memory care? Do they have staff that's qualified? Do they have a unit that uh, is on the, in, on the premises that is locked? Because memory care, not everyone wanders, right? But when you think of memory care, you think safety and routine and specialized cognitive exercises and things to keep that person active because the goal at every level of care, no matter which level you look at, is to keep the person as safe as possible and as autonomous as possible. Right? Does that make sense? So somebody who has memory care issues but no physical health problems, just simply memory issues, operates at a different level than somebody who has physical challenges, right? And so they need different types of therapies and different types of exercises and activities. So memory care can be a part of an assisted living building or it can be a standalone building, which is we have one represented here as our sponsors, Heritage Point, which you'll hear about here in a little bit. They're a standalone community for people specifically designed for people with dementia of some sort or cognitive memory impairment. Memory care can also be a part of a long-term care community, right? A nursing home, if you will. So you may have somebody who has Alzheimer's who also has a feeding tube, who also has a lot of other issues. And so they do their best to care for that person uh, in a long-term care setting. Then you have uh, residential care homes. Now these are new to Oklahoma City. There's not a lot of these. There are only a few. And in order to be considered a residential care home, catering to people who have assisted living needs and memory care needs, they must be licensed. Heads up. There are communities out there, in, especially in other states, it's happening in Oklahoma too, but they are offering these services and they are not licensed to do it. And so they'll tell you, yes, I can care for your husband, wife, spouse, uh, mom, dad, for you, yourself, at that level, and they're not licensed to do that. So it's very important that if it's a residential care home, and here's what that usually looks like, it's a house situated in a neighborhood, that has been remodeled or built for the purpose of accommodating usually five to six, maybe seven people at the most. And they have a big living area, open dining, kitchen, living area, and then they have bedrooms, just like a house, that are designed for residents with care needs. Okay? We don't have a lot of them here, we only have a few. Uh, and they stay pretty full. And they're usually um, for folks that don't want to move into a large community. They don't want to move into a more uh, elaborate community. They want something small and more intimate. Uh, and then the last one, CCRCs. And those of you who have been coming to our seminars for a while have had lots of education on this. But for those who are new, a continuing care retirement community 
is those communities who offer every level of care all the way from independent through long-term care and skilled memory care assisted etc they usually offer usually in-house home health in-house therapies and things like that we have five here in Oklahoma City that call themselves CCRCs that qualify under that licensure we have three represented here as sponsors Bradford Village in Edmond Spanish Cove in Yukon and Concordia in Northwest Oklahoma City the other ones are Epworth Villa and the fountains at Canterbury okay now um, and, and, I, and I'm going to say this because, I, and I'm just going to say I'm not really sure, but Baptist Retirement Village also markets themselves that way, but it, there's some slight differences, and so I don't usually lump them into the same category, okay? Now, here's the challenge with CCRC. There are communities out there. There's at least one here in our market. There are several in other markets that I researched that say, uh, we're a CCRC continuing care retirement community but they don't offer long-term care or they don't offer memory care so are they really a CCRC well not by licensure but that's how they market themselves so they'll pull you in and say yeah we have all levels of care and they'll show you they're independent and they'll show you they're assisted and they'll show you their um, uh, campus and then you'll say, well, where's the long-term care? And they'll go, oh, we don't have long-term care because most people don't need it anymore. They can just live out their life in assisted living. Not always true. Okay? So just be aware that you, and if you're okay with that, by the way, that doesn't make that a bad community. You just need to be informed that if you go to the hospital and you're discharged and you need to rehab, you're not going back to that community. You're going to go someplace else first before you can go back there. A true CCRC, when you discharge from the hospital and you need some additional rehab, you typically go back to the CCRC that you live at and you do it there and then you go back to your condo or apartment or community that you have. Okay? Okay, so if you have questions, write them down because we got a full team here that's going to cover a lot of these questions. Okay? So then you have the not licensed option. Now this is where most people, if you're here, you're looking at these because you're not at that level of need where you go, I'm going to move into something that has a licensure requirement uh, unless you're looking at a CCRC which has independent right on the front end. So a 55 and older active adult maintenance free community. Um, we actually have one that's a sponsor. They're not here on the north side. They're sponsoring the south location. That's Whispering Creek Retirement Community. They were sponsored last year, too. And they have a, a beautiful neighborhood of new homes that are single-family. Um, they have covered parking. They have great amenities. They have a pond. They're putting in a pool in their second phase. And it is designed for people who just simply don't want yard work or you know, prefer to not have to maintain a house. And so they lease these, these units and they can live there happily and travel and do whatever they want to do and know that everything is managed for them when, they're, uh, when they need it. There are apartments that are that way. Grand Tapestry is one of them that we have that was a sponsor last year. There are several other neighborhoods out there that are called 55 and older communities that are for sale. Um, Carol shows people a lot of times that are neighborhoods that you could purchase a condo or a house that has a homeowners association that takes care of the yard and things like that. So that would be 
truly independent, there's really, there are no services other than the association handling the yard care and maybe some other things too, depending on the level of the association. Okay? Then you've got independent senior living communities. The difference between the two is that independent senior living communities typically usually minimum age is 62. Um, and that's not a hard and fast rule as I understand it, but uh, in most cases that's the case. They offer meals, they offer transportation, they have a full social calendar with someone who's overseeing that and putting that together. Um, they often take trips and do things like that. They offer some level of meals, so they may have two meals a day, uh, they may have three meals a day, two on the weekend or something like that, but they're going to offer meals as a part of your overall rent package. So you're going to pay a monthly rent, it's going to be all-inclusive, everything's going to be included in that, with the exception of if they have like an on-site um, uh, health care agency that comes in, in-home care or home health, sometimes they'll have a, an agent, an agency or an organization that has an office on-site that you can access and they'll provide services, but they're not included in your rent. It's not offered by the community because remember the community is not licensed. So they cannot offer health care. Okay, does that make sense? That's why you gotta be completely independent and able to take care of yourself in order to live in one of these communities. And then you have, uh, and the reason people, by the way, move into those communities is because they do need a little bit of help, but a lot of times it's because they wanna be around people. A lot of times it's that they want to live in their own apartment, but they would like to have access to activities and people and social engagement and things like that. Um, shared housing, we don't see that a lot here either. There are a few. Um, there are some co-ops and co-housing uh, around the state and around the country. Uh, Kansas City seems to have more of these. Uh, Denver has some. Um, recently, so I told you earlier, about the residential care homes. We had one here in Oklahoma City that was considered a residential care home. They got their assisted living license, but then they changed it, and now they call themselves shared housing. So they're not licensed, and instead what people can do is they can move there, and then they share the expense of a third-party vendor who comes in to provide health care services like a home health agency. So essentially, let's say there are four or five people living in a house, and they are sharing staff, and they're sharing expense. Now, those run 6,000 to 8,000 a month for a room. So they're having a hard time filling it, as you can imagine. I would think so, right? Here in Oklahoma City, that's a big number, isn't it? Yeah, now in Denver, there are over 1,000 of those types of houses and they're licensed. So there's different parts of the country have different things here in Oklahoma City because our affordability of housing, it seems almost ludicrous for most people to say, I'm gonna pay $8,000 to live in a bedroom in a house so that I can share a nurse with somebody else. So I'm struggling with that concept, but I just wanna put it out there because it's out there. Okay, you need to do your homework on it. Okay, here are the gray areas. Ready for, for some truths? This is why I'm presenting today, and I didn't ask our panelists to
to come up and talk because I'm going to share some things with you today that make all of us a little uncomfortable about the industry. And these guys are never going to throw a competitor under the bus. They're just not going to do it. It's poor ethics, right? Me, on the other hand, all bets are off. I'm not going to mention names. I'm not going to name any communities. But as you're out doing your research, these are the things you should be looking for, right? So there is a gray area as it pertains to what communities will accept when it comes to a new resident, okay? A new person in their community. Independent living. You know, have y'all ever heard the phrase, I love Jimmy Buffett, he says, you know, there's a fine line between Saturday night and Sunday morning. Well, there's a fine line between independent, assisted, and assisted and nursing when it comes to access. So, if you look at it this way, independent living, uh, it's unlicensed. Assisted living is licensed, and nursing is licensed. Now, when I say nursing, I'm saying I'm, I'm referring to long-term care slash skilled, okay, slash you know, medical need. So, independent, when you go to an independent living community, whether it's a 55 and older neighborhood or independent living, like for 62 and older, there, it's more subjective. Like the, the executive director, the marketing director, and the staff there kind of looks at this person who's inquiring and asks themselves, can this person live here independently? Right? Now there's some fair housing laws that apply, aren't there? So if you're in a scooter, for instance, and you can get along perfectly well, you can navigate, you know, and you go to an apartment complex for seniors that has three or four levels or more, well, there is a question as to whether or not you could evacuate that building in the event of a fire if they had to lock down the elevators, right? So there's a safety issue there. So living independently and being able to ambulate, they call it, to and from and up and down stairs is a big deal. Now, if it's one level, that becomes less of an issue, right? So, what has happened over the years is there have been a number of independent living communities built and there have been a lot of vacancies. And so someone who comes to a community that should be independent, but they're really probably on the borderline of not and really need assisted, they maybe can't afford assisted because of the difference in the cost. We're going we're talking between thousand to fifteen hundred or two thousand difference in rent they go I want to live here because I can't afford to live here and so they may accept them well guess what a year later their health has declined they can no longer get around what do they have to do move they do have to move right so assisted living and I'm going to lump memory care into that and this is, again, a gray area. So someone can move to assisted living who's perfectly independent. Not a problem. Matter of fact, Quail Ridge, people do that. You know, they're perfectly independent. They really don't need all that extra care. But they're going to move there ahead of time because they think at some point they may. They have a degenerative illness. They have family history that they're worried. They, they think they may have some challenges, so they move ahead of time. The problem is sometimes people want to move to assisted living who have a higher level of need 
than an assisted living can take care of. I told you earlier there were two levels of licensure, right? So sometimes if an assisted living has lots of open apartments, they may actually accept somebody into that community that they really don't have the medical training to take care of. That's a problem. Now it may come up when, they're, when they have an inspection, but you kind of hope that it comes up before that because you don't want to have a problem. And if, you're, if you have a, a family member or a loved one that you are helping locate into a community and you say, well, we really like this community because of where it is and how much it costs and how it looks, are those three things more important than the level of care that that person's going to receive? And here's what I'm going to tell you. This is a truth, and I like saying it, but it's true. Adult children, who when they're looking for some place for their parent, are looking for convenience, so location for them, cost, because they're spending their inheritance, and how pretty the building is. Because that's still important to them in their life right now. Right? They're not looking at what is the staff ratio. They're not looking at is the medication manager trained and have they gone through their annual in-service, right? They're going, oh, the carpet's new, smells good, looks good, mile from my house, $2,000 cheaper than down the road, score. Rent. How's that feel? So when I give a truth that hits hard, the room gets really quiet. So then from assisted to nursing, sometimes what happens is we have all said to our children, do not ever put me in a So, now you've got this dutiful child who loves their parent, and they know that that parent can't go home from the hospital, and they need to go someplace, and that the nurse or doctor says they need nursing care, and you've tried a couple of assisted livings, and they've said no because they need higher level of care, and you've promised your parent that you would not put them in a home. You're going to look for every assisted living possible that will take them if you can afford it, right? Because the last resort is the nursing home for most people, right? The last resort is the last resort, right? Because it feels more like a hospital. It's where people go to die. That's what people think. Now, that's not always true, by the way. We'll talk about that in a minute. But nursing is the last resort. And by the way, the number one reason people choose certain nursing homes is the funding source and the availability. Those are the two options. Will they take the kind of funding we have? In other words, mom has to be on Medicaid because we don't have private funding. Will they take Medicaid? And number two, do they even have a place available? Do they even have a spot for mom? Or are they full? Those are the two things. When people have to move to nursing home, they're asked most often. When they're moving to assisted living, the question is, what's the licensure level, what's the staffing, and what's the availability if you're looking for someone for yourself? Right? If your adult children are looking, it's a different set of criteria. Have I said anything out of turn yet? Am I good? Okay. So, no matter which one you live in, no matter which one, whether you're looking at independent, you're looking at assisted, or you're looking to help someone find a place for nursing care, whether it's short or long term, the question people ask is, can I stay? 
The industry term for that is age in place. Age in place, when you hear that term, means can I live here forever no matter what my circumstances are? If my health declines, can I stay here? Age in place. That's the, that is the new, I say new, within the last decade, goal of every community out there. Like they'll tell you, when someone moves here, we want them to not have to move again. Why? Why? Well, from their perspective, it's because the more people that move out, the more they have to get in there, so it's about money, right? But if you look at it from the altruistic standpoint, if you've got somebody who really cares about their residents, why do they not want that person to have to move? It's hard to move. It's hard enough to move when you're healthy. But now you've made acquaintances, you have relationships, you love the staff, you have a routine, you enjoy where you are, and now all of a sudden you have to uproot and move somewhere else. Nobody wants to have to do that. And the people here in this room certainly don't want to have you to have, you to, have to do that because they know how much of a stressor that puts on people. And when you're sick, uh, your immune system's already compromised, you already don't feel good, the last thing you want to have to do is adapt to a new environment. Nobody wants that to happen. So the goal of these communities is how can we create systems so that people can stay here forever? Right? And that's a good thing. That's a good thing. Until it's not. Because sometimes people will do that and they'll do it outside of their legal licensure. Okay, so you have to be conscientious about that. So by the way, in their defense, families will beg communities to let their parents stay there. And they can't. Because of their licensure. Okay, so say you have a feeding tube. Say you had to have a colostomy, now you have a colostomy bag, something like that. Anytime you have some major thing that has to be dealt with by a registered nurse or a physician or something like that, I always say bodily fluids going in or out, those are big problems. Okay. Um, so I'm going to share with you a couple of things that have happened over the years. So we, you guys are going to meet Bill, who is with Compass Senior Living Solutions. He does something that's called, um, in, the, in the industry you hear it called placement. Bill calls it something different. Search? Search service referral service. Search service referral service, right, a referral service. And the reason that they called it placement service is because people would call and say, I need to place someone somewhere. I need to place my mom somewhere. I need to place my spouse somewhere, okay? We don't like that word. I mean, if you like that word. I don't know about you, but if you ever try to place me somewhere, we're gonna have a problem. Okay? But why does this happen? We'll talk about it. So here's what here's how, here's how placement services came to be. So let me read a myth for you. The myth is placement services, oh yeah. So placement services featuring celebrity personalities, no names mentioned. I'm sure you can see her, she's blonde. Offering to handpick the best senior living options at no cost to you will make your research easier and less stressful. Okay, now I showed you all those different options earlier, right? And you're thinking, holy moly, how do I navigate all those? And so these companies have said, we can make this easy for you at no cost. Here's the truth. Many of the advertised placement services are simply lead generators for senior living communities who pay them. 
and offer little, if any, personalized support or guidance. They forward your name and information to communities with whom they have contracts. Once you're on those lists, you're on those lists. How many of you are on one of those lists? A few of you, okay. I'm gonna recommend that you not go home and get on a list, and here's why. I went to Florida, Chris and I were there, and as y'all know, I was going through uh, school for my doctorate, and I was doing a bunch of research on CCRCs. And while we were in Florida, I thought I'm gonna see how many CCRCs there are in Florida. So I Googled it. And I get this website that says, get a list of all the CCRCs. And by the way, it wasn't really a branded site. It wasn't like any specific company or organization or placement service, any of that. It was pretty generic. So I put my name in and I thought to myself, oh, here we go. I knew. I'm savvy enough about doing that that I knew this might be challenging. So I went in and put my name, phone number, uh, real phone number, email address that I use for my spam email, and um, what I was looking for. And it asks you, are you looking for yourself or someone else? And I put someone else. And they put who? And I put my dad. I didn't put his name. I just put my dad just so I could fill it in. Because I really wasn't looking for anybody, myself or other. Didn't give me that option. So, 15 minutes. I click submit, 15 minutes, I get a phone call. We understand that you're looking for senior living options in Florida. Yes, I am. Well, how may we assist you? Who are you looking for? Well, I'm a professional and I'm just doing some research. Well, are you looking for your father, or your mother, or yourself? Uh, none of the above. Well, so who are you looking for? I'm like, they, they didn't have, this script did not allow for me to be a professional. It, there was no option for that. So I said, well, let's just say my dad. So that they could finish their script. And then we get through this thing, and they ask me, you know, what his needs are and so on and so forth. I actually made shit up. Because that's what I needed to do to get through the process. So they tell me, okay, we're going to email you a list. I said, great. Now, unbeknownst to me, not only did they email me a list, they emailed my information to everyone on the list. The phone rang again. Hello, this is so-and-so at such-and-such community, and we understand that you're looking for a place for your dad. How may we help you? We'd like to invite you to come out and take a tour. Well, you know, I'm really not looking for my dad. I'm really a professional. Oh, well, our form here says that you're looking for your dad. Yeah, would you mind taking me off your list? Okay, well, we'd be happy to do that. Thank you, have a nice day. Phone rings again. This is a different community. I said, would you please take me off your list? And they said, well, we can take you off our list, but you might need to know that there are others that will have you on their list. You're no longer on one list. You're on as many lists as they disseminated it to because when you click submit, what you didn't do is read the fine print at the bottom that tells you what they're allowed to do with that information. Okay? Now you may think to yourself, well, that's okay because that makes my job a little easier, right? So, true story. I'm still on their list. <laughs> Randomly, I get calls out of nowhere from desperate marketing directors who inherited a database and who have available apartments, and they say, I'm just curious, are you still looking for a place for your dad? Like, well, that was nine years ago. <laughs> the answer is still no. That was a place for mom. 
But what they had done was set up a, what's called a stealth site. And a stealth site is an unbranded site. They may not be allowed to do this anymore. But it basically was a site that didn't look like any particular company, but was, and then it, and then it was rerouted. So once you're on that list, by the way, and once they have registered your name with those communities, if you move there, no matter when you move there, one year, five years, 10 years, never, if you do ever move there, that company's gonna get paid for you to move there to the tune of anywhere from $2,500 to $5,000. They're gonna get paid. The community has to pay them because that's their contract, if they have a contract. The only communities they're gonna to send to you are the ones that what? That they have a contract with. So they say on their website that they're hand-picking communities for you. I'm calling BS on that. Okay? Now, I'm gonna I'm generalizing because in some markets they do have representatives out there that will do more personalized service, but not really. Not really. Okay. So I'm just encouraging you to not go that route. We do have the blessing in our market of a couple of um, placement service providers, Bill being one of them, and, and uh, we've had a really great experience where they actually do handpick the communities and then they actually go with you on the appointment for the tour, show you the community, ask before they even take you, they find out what your financial situation is, what your needs are, and they call those communities to make sure there's actual availability before they take you there, right? So you actually do have a personal guide in that process. I will tell you the number two, number one reasons, because these are really kind of both number one, they're not one or the other. Crisis is the number one reason people need placement services. The other one is the lack of local support. Under both of those, the reason people have a crisis and the reason that they need services like this is because they don't have planning put in place. They have not planned for this need. Or their adult child has been tasked with it and they don't know because they don't live here. So placement services are great when they are. And that's why we have local people that we like, those of us who like the placement service process, because people will call me and they'll say, Nikki, somebody's discharging from the hospital and we need a place for them to go immediately. Well, I'm a real estate agent. We help people with independent living options frequently. But when it comes to assisted living and long-term care and memory care, that's a tough one. And unless you know those communities like the back of your hand, it's very difficult. And these guys, these placement services like Bill, they have personal connections. They know which ones take what level of care, they know what the pricing is, they know what their availability is because they're out there every day. And they work a lot with the case managers in hospitals. They work with discharge planners so that they can make that. It's okay, that's just the bell letting the kids know to change classes, so. All right, kind of scary, yeah. So I'm going to give you um, a few little things here, and then I'm going to bring our sponsors up for questions. I just want to read these to you, planning and why it's important. So here's what we hear from people who have not done their planning. Are you ready? I need some information about senior living facilities. That's what a lot of people call them. We try to avoid that word. We call them communities. 
because dad can't live at home anymore. I'm going to need a place uh, to place him somewhere and I only have a couple of days to decide where should I start. Mom is going to be discharged from the hospital tomorrow, which will be Friday at 3 o'clock. And they said, I need to find a place for her. She can't go home, and I can't take care of her because I have to go back to work. I have called a few places. The case manager gave me that they don't have any space. What do I do? Now, that decision's got to be made pretty quick, doesn't it? Okay, so no planning. That decision has to be made by somebody else. Here's another, here's another one. I like this one. Um... Hi, Mary. We get this a lot. This is Sue. My mom, Martha, fell and broke her hip a while back, and she's doing better, but she's found that taking care of her home is just too much. She looked at your community last year and told me she would like to live there if you have any apartments available. Now, doesn't that feel better than I need to find a place for my mom and we are just starting the process? Here's the other one. Hi, Mary. This is Tom. They're calling the community. My wife passed away this year, and she was my social director. I'm finding that now I don't drive as much, and I miss being around other people. She and I looked at your place together before she passed away, and we both agreed that it would be the best place that we visited. Do you have any one or two better apartments available currently? Isn't that an easier phone call to make than starting from scratch? Right? Then i got one more here. Um, set. I've got one more set. Hi, Jeannie, this is Mary. Martha is my mom, and she lives there at your community in apartment 104. She's ready to come home after her hip surgery, and I wanted you to know she will be discharged tomorrow at 3. You said there's a spot open for her when she's ready, and then she can go back to her apartment when she feels stronger. She's, uh, she's ready to be back. So if you live at a CCRC or a community that offers different levels of care, you're making that call to the community just to give them a heads up. We're coming home. We know we're coming to a different apartment, but we're coming home. And then here's the last one. Hi, John. This is Mom. As you know, since your dad since your dad died, I've been living here happily and plan to stay in my own independent apartment. But lately, my legs have been weak, and I've taken a couple of falls. There's an apartment in the assisted living just near the garden that opened up. I think I'm going to take it. I just wanted you to know because they're going to help me move my furnishings this next week. No need to worry. I have all the help I need. Now, is there a different energy between those last sets of conversations and the first ones? Right? This, the last sets of conversations are people who have planned. There's a level of confidence in what they're doing. Right? There's no sense of urgency or um, crisis involved. Here are the myths we hear most often as a group. We will all agree on these. I have plenty of time to plan. There are a lot of options there to choose from when I'm ready. Here are the truths. As your physical and mental health declines, your living options become fewer. While you're healthy, you have lots of options. When you're not as healthy, there are fewer options. And the other truth is in a crisis, there is no planning and little choice. Decisions are made in the moment and the selection process is often left to others. So, here are a few truths I'm going to give you before the group comes up, and then I want you to ask all the probing questions you have. This is going to be stump the panelists, okay? Number one, there are no commu two communities alike. Every single one of these communities is different. There is nothing alike about any of them, even if they are within the same ownership. Oftentimes, there are some differences. 
Marketing messages can be very difficult to navigate. We know that not all communities have availability all the time. Right? They may have availability now, but not next week, and vice versa. You may not get everything on your wish list. I've been in real estate 20 years, and I don't know anybody who's ever purchased a house that they got every single thing they wanted. This is not out there, even in housing. So in retirement communities, it's gonna be similar. Uh, marketing demand will, de will determine availability and pricing. The more demand for a product, the more price goes up and the availability goes down. Most marketing directors and leasing consultants act like salespeople. The reason these people have been chosen as sponsors is because they don't act like salespeople. They act like educators. They are resource people. They are connectors. Now, they still have jobs to do. If they don't fill apartments, they don't get paid, right? They don't have jobs. Because the, the communities have to be able to stay full in order to stay in business, right? They have to be able to pay their bills if they're not-for-profit. They have to be able to take care of their, their residents and their buildings. So they have to keep apartments full. But there's a difference between salespeople who are going to sell you no matter what and the person who says, I'm only going to try to sell you if this is the right fit for you. Does that make sense? Have you all been in an experience where you know the difference? We all have. We know at our gut level if this person is looking out for me or if they're just simply trying to sell me something because they're desperate. Here are the criteria that most people look at. Geography, where is it? Price, how much does it cost? Support, what do they have available? What's the building like? What are the people like? What are the staff members like? And how competent are they? Kind of in that order. It's a little backwards, isn't it? But that's the order most people will tell me they looked. They want to be close to home. They need it to be the right price. Obviously, they have to be able to afford it. But they, 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 those last two or three are often what people don't look at. They end up looking at the other stuff and making their decision based on that. For-profit, not-for-profit. Several people have asked me, should I go with a not-for-profit or a for-profit? It doesn't matter. It, it, it has nothing to do with for-profit or not-for-profit. It has to do with the ownership and the leadership. And why are they there? They can be a for-profit community and be wonderful. They can be a not-for-profit community and be crappy. Or vice versa. So don't look at specifically just for-profit and not-for-profit. Look at the bigger picture. Um, look at leadership, looking at whether or not aging in place is important to you. There are two websites there, um, and we'll put these up on our uh, site as well. But this is, uh, these are two websites, surveys.health.ok.gov, that you can go to. Did anybody bring a flyer with these on them, Jill? Back at, you did, back at the Spanish Cove table, there's a flyer back there that actually have these printed on it. So you don't have to write them down. Um, these are two places you can go to look up the surveys and you can compare licensed communities side by side. The problem is independent living, you can't do that because they're not licensed, so there's really not anything to compare. But assisted living, CCRCs, long-term care, 
uh, Sister Libby, I think I said that, in memory care, you can. Now, I'm going to say a little bit about deficiencies, though. When you're looking at reports where they've gone out and done an inspection, I've seen some inspections of communities that I really like and I feel like give good care, and they have some deficiencies, but their deficiencies are things like when the inspector went out there, they couldn't find the reports saying that their CNAs did their CPR training last year. Well, maybe they did do their CPR training last year, but they just can't find the reports. We don't know if they did it or not. There, there you go. So you have to, you have to ask yourself the question: How can I find out if this is has been resolved? Because they go back out and reinspect, and if they found the reports, then good, right? But if they have deficiencies that are significant problems, if they have real problems, then you need to look at that and find out why did they have those problems, and can they be corrected, or are they corrected? Yeah, Joe. Care deficiencies. Big difference, thank you. Care deficiency versus a paperwork deficiency. Because you gotta think, guys, these people are highly regulated and paperwork is hard to keep up with, right? So a paperwork deficiency is far less of an issue than a care deficiency. And then the last thing is, think about now and take it into consider later in life because frankly, you can look for a place now, but you still need to plan for next. If you're moving into independent living, like if you're moving to Whispering Creek or to a nice uh, 55 and older independent neighborhood, you still need to do some research on the other levels of care so that you plan for that later, okay? So don't stop with that. Okay, come on up, guys. I'm gonna have them come up. Um, I'm gonna put their names up here so you know who they are, not necessarily in this order. We're going to mic them up here, <clears throat> and we're going to throw some questions at them, and I'm going to see how smart they are. I know how smart they are, but you guys can see how smart they are. Okay, I'll start down here. Okay, so <clears throat> they can pass the mic back and forth, and you can throw a general question out. I'm going to repeat it, and then I'm going to throw it to them. <clears throat> Excuse me, sinuses. And, uh, yep. And then what we're going to do is we're going to go to about 11.25-ish or so. And if we don't get to all your questions, these folks will be back here at the tables and you can go back and pick up materials and ask them questions from there. Yes, sir? You don't recommend the use of uh, Yeah, that's a great question. Okay, so his question was, is there somehow, some way, a list, a spreadsheet, if you will, that tells me where the community is, how much it costs, what it offers, what the entrance fees are, etc., so that he can, through process of elimination, know where to start? And the answer is, there is no such thing. <laughs> well, I'll cover that in a second. But I would say of all of us up here that have probably has the majority of that information, Bill, Bill, share with him what his best option is for getting that information all in one place. Um, so <clears throat> there are so many variables with these communities. 
room sizes, levels of care, and cost. Um, but I, I'm happy to help you with that personally. Um, you can do internet searches, but as Nikki said, sometimes when you go search, you get more uh, sales talk than you do anything else. So um, I have my own spreadsheet, which I'd be happy to sit down and share with anybody here at any time that has all that information on it. Uh, so, so I, I, I don't have a place. He's a, so let me say, he's a placement provider. So you so, mentioned, you said I'm not good on, you said I'm not up on placement services. I want to be clear. I'm not a big fan of the online placement services. He is a local placement service who lives here, works here, and works with the communities within our market, and he knows, he knows the local market. So you're not going to put your name in his database and get 15,000 emails from people. He works with people one-on-one -on -one and doesn't shoot leads out to the world. So I'd be happy to share any information yeah. with you anytime. Uh, so. He's got a table right back here. Okay, put my stuff back there. And, and I'm and, and let me say this too. I'm happy to give anybody preliminary information up front over the phone and help you. Um, no matter what stage of that search process you're in, and I, I'm not there to sell any particular community. Um, I kind of use the same variables that Nikki spoke about, geographic level of care, finances, and what you might see in your future. So um, I, I've been on the other end of the spectrum and been working in communities, so I know that. Uh, I'm a local resource, so I've been in the senior care business in Oklahoma City for 15 years at different positions, most recently a consultant to assisted living. So I know what goes on behind the scenes in these communities and... Uh, Bill, let me jump in real quick. Yeah. You know, one of the challenges with having a spreadsheet like you discussed or a document is first of all, it changes. I, I went out and visited with uh, Laura yesterday at Heritage Point and she said, you know, our normal pricing is X, but this month we're offering specials as much as $1,000 a month off the rent for, what, a year or indefinitely or indefinitely. So what happens is if I gave you a spreadsheet today, tomorrow it would be out of date. I can guarantee you. Other thing is CCRCs. There is a cornucopia of options that can't be put down into a spreadsheet because it is based on a very specific person's needs. Similarly, uh, assisted living, with the exception of, uh, of Quail Ridge, you guys are a one. Tell them about how assisted living pricing works. Step up in the middle. Assisted living pricing, the way it works for Quail Ridge versus the way it may work in other kind of communities. Okay, Holly Andrews with Well Ridge Senior Living. We're um, a vibrant community with licensed assisted living and memory care. Um, at our particular location, we are an all-inclusive program with uh, no base rate, no base, base price for apartments and then levels of care thereafter. So you can certainly forecast your uh, housing costs um, a little bit better with an all-inclusive pricing. So um, so you go in, sit down, you say, this is what I need, and you say, this is the price. Yes. Other communities, you go in and you say, I have a need, and they go, this is the price for this, and then we add this price and add this price and add this price as you need it. 
right? Correct. And sometimes um, as those needs get greater, you can certainly price an individual out of their budget. Yeah. So what happens is they go there and they go, okay, if I can afford this, I know I'm going to get everything I need over time for that price. You go to another community that's $2,000 cheaper per month, but if something happens and your circumstances change, the increase may take you beyond the budget that you have, which means you have to move. So I'm going to just, I'm going to wrap this question up and then take another question. And here's how I want to wrap it up. The, the reason we work so well together as a group is that if you were to go and sit down with Jill or Julie or Lisa or any of them and take a tour at their community and they show you their pricing structure and you go, oh, I, that's beyond my scope, that's beyond my budget, or I'm not willing to pay that, whatever the case is, they know enough about also what's available in the market to narrow down the next option. So they're going to say, they're not going to say, bye, have a nice day. They're going to say, based on what you said you need and based on your budget, I would recommend you go to this community, this community, and or this community. And they're going to give you the name of the person and they will probably, I don't want to speak for you, pick up the phone right then, call that person and help you make the appointment. Yeah. So that's how this works. These are, this is not like a car dealership where you go to the car dealership and if they don't sell you a car, you gotta go find a different car dealership. That's why these guys are here. So don't be afraid to go in and visit with them, find out their pricing. They're not gonna be offended if you don't buy from them. They're gonna be irritated if you don't go and visit with them and because you needed a resource. That, that's what they want you to do. Okay, next question. Yes, ma'am. Okay, so good question. Do all of the CCRC, those of you that are CCRCs, step up so they know who we're talking to. Do all the CCRCs, continuing care retirement communities, involve an entry fee plus monthly fees? So Jill, talk about that. As far as I know, yes. Yeah. You pay an entry fee because that entry fee guarantees you future care. So that's why you pay the entry fee. Mm -hmm. Now, there are some out there that will call themselves a continuum of care, and they'll say, our community fee is only $1,000. Well, that means they're not an all-inclusive CCRC offering a life care product. That's the telltale sign right there. Right, so there's different types of CCRCs. There's the life care contract where you pay that entry fee to guarantee future care at a huge discounted price. Yeah, Correct. right. That's the most all-inclusive type of option where you're guaranteed future care at a huge discount. And then there's a little bit of differences. Like at Spanish Cove, I can only speak about us specifically, we do not take people directly into our assisted living or long-term care neighborhoods. We reserve all of that care for the residents who moved into independent living. So you have to start at independent living, and then if or as you need it, you can move to the different levels of Correct. care. Correct, yes. Julie, you want to add to that? Yeah, at Concordia, we do have the ability to take um, admittance into our higher levels of care if we have space. So that's where we do. Um, to go back to the, the terminologies and the literature that you receive as a, um, a shopper, as you're out there in the communities looking, 
Um, the term life care is regulated and licensed, and people will say that they're a life care community, and they may be even well-intended, but if you ask to see their license, they don't have a life care license. So they're using that term thinking it's just a generic term that they can offer because they want to care for you for life, and they may be well-intended, but if they don't have that license, they can't really call themselves by life care. Right, and to piggyback on that, what Julie's saying is there's actually, actually a medical tax deduction that people can possibly benefit from in only a life care, continuing care retirement community, and it's quite significant. People that we help move in really love the medical tax deduction. So I'm going to just introduce these three. So Jill is at Spanish Cove, Lisa is at Bradford Village in Edmond, and Julie is at Concordia up in Northwest Oklahoma City. So if you're thinking to yourself, I would like to know more about what life care is, here's how you do that. You pick up their information, you schedule an appointment, you go out, they'll give you a tour, show you around, and then they'll go through how their life care process works and what their options are. Take it or leave it. I, I tell people, you know what? I start with the highest priced car that I like the most first and work my way down. <laughs> if I want this, I'm going to go check it out first. If, it, if I can't do it or Chris says no, then I go to the next option, right? And so that's what I, that's really what you're looking at with life care is you're looking at what is the probably the most expensive option and the option that you already know, yes, I can age in place there, and then work your way down. And it's not that the other ones are inferior, it's just, it's a pricing issue. They're different. And I, They're different. I, I actually want to clarify, okay. because there is a misconception that it's yep. more expensive. But the reality is, and we've had a lot of clients that have done this, they are, they're pencil pushers, and they're fact figures. And they've calculated out that because it's a predictable expense and because your expense is not market rate tied, it actually winds up being cheaper than it would be if you were to pay for the services as you need right. them at the market rate. So explain that. So, I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you. We're not gonna get into yeah. the the weeds, but I do want you to give a, 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 a quick overview of that. So Julie, somebody moves in, they pay an entry fee of say 150 thousand. Okay. Just use a round number. Yeah, sure. And they, they sell their house, they take the money from their house, they pay their entry fee, they move in. They have a monthly rent of approximately what in a two-bedroom apartment? We'll say $4,000. $4,000 in a, a two-bedroom apartment. Mm -hmm. And again, I'm just making up numbers because there are ranges with all of them. You move in, and then, oh my gosh, now you need nursing care. Right. Instead of paying eight to ten thousand dollars a month like you would if you went directly into nursing care, what would their rate be? It's a flat rate. So um, this past year in 2018, it was four thousand three hundred and eighty-five dollars. No matter what you needed for nursing care, assisted living, memory care, nursing care. Flat Same rate. as the independent plus just a just slight a bit yes, more. exactly for meals. Correct. Yeah. yeah. So some people that are planners and they're anticipating the possibility of needing that kind of care like the CCRC idea. Not everybody does. Right. And, and that differs among CCRCs yeah, too. Sure. So right. That's what, why you should look at all Right. Them. So Spanish Cove is a little bit different. Right. So yeah. what Julie is speaking about is specific to Concordia. Mm -hmm. 
And Lisa, I'm in Edmond, so I'm also going to, Lisa, tell them how your community is laid out. Because some people think of apartments is all they think of. Yeah. Right. So our community, we actually have standalone homes and duplexes. So we don't have the high rise. They just have their own independent homes. And then we have a community center where our residents come for meals. And that's our independent living. And then our assisted living is a two-story apartment building. We have 44 apartments. And then we also have a health care center that has the skilled and long-term care. And our long-term care has the memory care part in it. Right. And so whereas Julie's community at Concordia is all under one roof, except for a few cottages out front, and then Jill's uh, community is probably laid out a little more like uh, Bradford Village with but cottages. But we're adding. And you're adding. Yeah, we're expanding. Yeah. yeah. So again, they're all so different that you can't generalize. You well, have that's to. That's why we yeah. can't give a flat That's why we can't give a flat price. Yeah. Okay. And that's why you need to visit places. And yeah. I know that yeah. people would love to have a resource to give you all the list of names and prices but it's actually quite fun to go to different places yeah. have lunch and we there's no obligation just come out and take a tour have a great meal and we'll give you all the information for you to have and that's true i think with all of the communities i don't yeah. want to speak for everybody but yes that's true yeah right. okay good i got time for a couple more questions yes ma'am Is there any place where the rent doesn't go up? Let me ask you this. Where do you live now? Do you live in your own home? Yes. Does your taxes go up? Yes. Does your insurance go up? Right. Do your utilities go up? Of course. Your rent's going to go up. <laughs> 3% annually. 3% annually is the average across the country and across the, the city. You know, so, yeah. And by the way, um, you can, when you go to these communities, some of them, not all of them, you can contract for a lease for one year or two years or three years, and sometimes you can get a set amount for a period of time with no cost of living increase until that lease is up. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yes, sir. My wife and I both have long-term care insurance. At what phase does it Yeah, good question. So long-term care insurance, when you have it, where does it kick in at what phase? Who wants to field that one? Julie, you got a mic? Um, yeah, I'll just, every long-term care policy is different. So it really depends on the type of policy that you purchased. Some are, um, begin with even home care, that you have that rider on your policy to be able to do that. Um, some cover as to say, uh, once you have a need for more than two activities of daily living, assistance with that, then it might kick into place. Some are very specific to nursing care. Um, what I can tell you is that it's really imperative that you sit down with either the person that wrote your policy, like you got it from, or with, like we have a long-term care specialist at Concordia, sit down and go over your policy with them. They will give you questions to ask your provider to clarify because, and if you're in the insurance business, I apologize, but sometimes they're a little vague. Yeah, I know that surprises everybody. Um, but we've we've had some situations where the policy should have covered something and it didn't, and the families had to battle, you know, to get it covered. And sometimes it's just simply a terminology. That's exactly different. right. That's exactly right. So knowing ahead of time, going into the whole preemptive, you know, situation, if you can be aware ahead of time, your family's aware ahead of time, or whoever's going to, you know, help you. Right. That's beneficial for them to know what it covers and what it doesn't. Yeah. Oftentimes, there's a 90-day exclusionary period. 
Um, and if that's the case, then exercising that at the right time is important to know about because sometimes those days count and even if you roll off after you get out of skilled nursing and go back home or you no longer need home care, those days stay in your bank. So when you go back and you need care again, it's counting against that exclusionary period. Not all policies do that, but some do, and it's important. Yeah. But if you move to a retirement community that has assisted living and skilled nursing and long-term care, they, like our communities, they, they work well with most long-term care insurance policies. And we have people that will help you get the paperwork filled out. So it usually works well with any of our communities that offer the different levels of care. And sometimes you can even use it when you're in independent living, right. depending on the need. Right. And, and, policy. If, and if you don't have long-term care insurance, that's one of the great things about the life care program that we offer is it's like a form of long-term care insurance. We're not allowed to say it is, but that's, it is like a long-term care insurance policy, and that's why you can have a tax deduction because it's a form of prepaid medical tax. Yeah. You can't market it that way. Right. 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 Okay. I saw another hand go up. Yes. How does Bill here get paid? Good question. Bill, how do you get paid? Okay. Um, so I am paid similar to the way an, a, a real estate agent is paid. I'm paid a finder's fee by the communities uh, if someone moves in there. So the good thing about that is the communities and these communities all use my services. Um, the cost of them bringing someone into the community, they are very willing to pay uh, in order to fill a room. So the cost of my services to you are free. Um, They're but, paying you a finder's fee basically. Yeah, so they pay me a finder's fee. So um, I will tell you this, I'm one of the only services in the city that charges the same amount the matter of uh, no matter uh, what the cost of the room is in other words I'm not going to steer you to a community so I can make more money I make the same amount if you're memory care if you're assisted living independent living and all the communities and I when I established this business I made sure this was in my contract all the communities pay me the same amount. And that's, that's to help keep from having a bias. You know, there are some, yeah. some placement services out there that we know of that if a community is $6,000 a month and they're going to pay a fee of first month's rent, they'll try to get them to move to that community first because they know they're going to get paid more than if they take them to another community right. when they're going to get paid 3000 So that's an important fact. So that's, that's how I get paid. I, I think the, the closest analogy is like a real estate agent, so I'm an agent for these communities, basically, but uh, totally work for you. I'm your advocate to find the right place then, so. Yeah. Okay, yes. Oh, and by the way, I might say this too. If you've registered with a place for mom and they've sent, uh, did I say that out loud? <laughs> I didn't mean to do that. That company, and then, and they disseminate that lead to a community out there and then Bill takes you to that community, that he's not gonna get paid whoever registers the person first that the community gets paid. So that's why I tell people access your local resources before going online. Uh, yes, sir, in the back. Or I saw a hand up back here. Yes. For the entry fee. Well, I don't want to live here alone because it has too many memories, even in that six months. 
that has life care, and then she kills off her husband, and decides to move to a condo in Florida, which is what I would do. Um, and what happens to that entry fee if you're, say, you've only been there for a short period of time? Jill, step so, up so everybody so can see. So there's refundable contracts, and so you move out the first month, you get 90% back. I mean, at a minimum, you're going to get some of that money back. And then there's 100% refundable contracts too. So there are a variety type of entry fee programs. So it is refundable to a certain extent, yes. If people think they're gonna move or anticipate they might move, they should do a refundable contract. Nikki and Chris and her team helped this couple move in and it was their third time <laughs> moving into Spanish Cove. They moved in, third moved time. out, moved in, moved out. They yeah. did a refundable contract every time, so. Yes. Yeah, yes sir. I got one question. Question is, what happens to the poor people who can't afford this? Do you guys want to field it or help me too? Actually, yeah, I'm going to mention one of the sponsors that's here today is Villages of OKC. Um, and I think that really that's probably one of the best benefits um, of living in this wonderful community that we live in. Um, we have a team of advocates who are out there and are changing the face of, of longevity and what aging looks like. And um, I really encourage you to go back and talk to them. They're building resources, peer-to-peer uh, -peer resources, as well as vendors like ourselves who are reputable and trustworthy. Um, and so that would be probably the they best stay solution. They stay at home. They stay at home, but they have some network in the Northwest Oklahoma City area, Villages OKC is the resource that I would direct you So to. I'm gonna tell you if they can't stay home, I'll give you the worst case scenario, okay? So in an ideal world, people would be able to afford something or they would be able to be autonomous enough that a support network like Villages OKC would be able to help them. The reason we have so many nursing communities is because the people who cannot afford uh, assisted living or independent living or CCRCs, their only real option is Medicaid. And the only Medicaid approved communities are typically long-term care. Now the unfortunate part of that is that long-term care nursing communities are almost all full. So there's a waiting list for the best ones. Um, there's a rotation. People move in and out and pass away and so on and so forth. There are only two assisted livings in the state that are approved for Medicaid. All the rest of them are private pay or long-term care insurance. So if I were gonna lobby for something, if you have a desire to do that, it would be to help get an approval where Medicaid would, where assisted livings could more easily be regulated to, to accept Medicaid. It's, it, the regulation processes are impossible, so these operators will not do it because it's an impossible feat. But um, what you'll find is a lot of times the default position is a nursing home because that's the only place they can go to get Medicaid to pay for it. It's a sad situation, unfortunately, but here's the thing. There are some really good nursing communities out there. There are some really good ones. Now, that's another area where Bill Shines is helping people find that nursing care 
that's out there and available. But it is Medicaid is our fallback. That's your state insurance. That's it. Yeah. Um, so I deal with this all the time. I get 10 calls, and I will tell you probably one Hold that closer, Bill, to your mouth. Yes. Uh, probably one in 10 people can afford the type of care that they really need. So I run into this all the time, and we have to have a place for these people. Um, now, Nikki, there are three assisted living oh, for Medicaid. So um, I, there's an entire industry that is dedicated and government funded to keep people in their own homes and that's called the Medicaid Advantage Program. So in Oklahoma City, the Oklahoma Housing Authority has is building, almost ready to open, an assisted living that is a combination of that um, Medicaid Advantage healthcare piece and Section 8 low-income housing. So this is a big public problem and it's being worked on, but, and, and as Nikki said, uh, in, in many states, there are a lot of Medicaid-assisted livings, but we don't have that in Oklahoma, so the only option was uh, stay at home till something bad happens and you have spent all your money, and then you could go to a Medicaid nursing home. So, uh, so we're working on that. There are some options. Uh, there's waiting lists to get into these places, but uh, so there, there are limited options for the assisted living level of care that are funded by Medicaid. Where there is no service is memory care, Medicaid, assisted living. There's absolutely zero for that. So many times those people who need more attention uh, and need trained people doing those memory care functions and helping those people, um, they stay at home until they are, they not only have physical problems, but they're- Then they move to nursing care. Or those other things. Now we also have some day programs. So the adult uh, programs, they're called the Daily Living Centers, and, and they are amazing for people that have memory care issues or need a day program. Uh, the family can take care of them in the evenings and so on, but they need that day program. So you can look into those, and those are paid for also by uh, funding. A, a lot of different funding. A lot of different funding, yeah. All right, so we've got to wrap this up because of time. We've gone over a little bit. I appreciate you guys being patient. Let me ask you a question. Did they do a good job? All right. Go ahead, y'all make your way back there. That way you can beat the crowd. They're going to make their way back to the tables. Uh, you have an evaluation that I mentioned and an attendee survey. Those of you who haven't done the attendee survey, I would really appreciate you doing it. Um, I'm gonna, if, I, if you can stay, I want to read something to you real quick. And if you have to leave, I understand. Don't, don't feel bad. But I just I felt like this was such a great um, I don't know, uh, story. I can find it, sorry. No, I can find it. I can find it. It's here. Okay. Never mind. I may not find it. Never mind. I'm not going to read it. Okay. Have a great day. You guys are amazing. See you next month. <laughs>